This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Josh Taransky and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. I am Josh Taransky, and I'm joined by Clint Clifton. This is a special episode number 100. Clint, congratulations. Boom. Here we are. Boom. Oh, man, we made it 100 episodes. I cannot believe it. (laughs) The fireworks are going off. It's amazing. Yes. Amazing. It is. Yeah. So talking about uh, 100 episodes of the church plan, we've come a long way. If people go back and they listen, what are they going to hear if they go back to episode number one? Oh, well, if you went back to the beginning, you'd hear much different intro music. We've gone through three different intro music phases. The first one was whistles and claps. And that was when I was completely in charge of choosing everything. And uh, as soon as somebody with a wit got involved, they decided the whistles and claps weren't good. So we got rid of that. Whistles and claps don't get you very far in church planting. (laughs) No, no. I felt like it was novel and folksy, but uh, everyone else thought it was just stupid. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) It was fun. But man, it sure doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like the soundtrack to a church plant. Yeah, well. It's 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 probably more like the real life soundtrack to a church plant, um, but everybody the 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 whiz bang one we have mm. now that's what everybody aspires for their church plant to, to be the soundtrack of their church yeah. plant. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And this is going to be in a special episode because you've landed a great interview with Pastor Mark Dever, um, who I mean you can yeah. introduce him. We've had him on before. Um, and he's always great content. Why don't you introduce this particular episode, though? Well, um, I wanted to talk to Mark about um, church planting uh, specifically. You know, um, I, as I have gotten to know Mark, he's um, he's got a complicated uh, viewpoint of church planting, I think. In some ways, he's sort of negative, feels like he's negative toward church planting because he's really positive about church revitalization. And so it seems as if, you know, those things are at odds. And But the truth is, he's not negative about church planting. In fact, if you get to know his story a little bit, he himself planted a church in uh, New England um, early on in his ministry career, he planted a church called the New Meadows Baptist Church with uh, another pastor who who is part of the Nine Marks World and community, Andy Davis, who's pastoring down in, in Durham, North Carolina now. And uh, he and Andy planted um, that church together. And then Zane Pratt was there as well. Zane's in leadership at IMB now. And his, um, I, think, I think if I remember right, he passed off the church plant uh, to Zane when he left. He was there for the first couple of years. And so uh, I've talked to Mark about the story of how that church plant got started, and, and it was just a, a circumstantial thing. He was in a place that there was an opportunity, and he felt like the Lord was prompting him to do it. And so he put the church together, and uh, that's how New Meadows Baptist Church was born. So he, he's not a person who's against church planting. He's very, very positive uh, about church planting. 
Um, but he thinks that we should plant churches in places that there are great needs and where there are dying and struggling churches, we should work to revitalize those churches. Well, I'm glad that uh, Mark was willing to sit down. What are we going to hear in this particular episode? Yeah, this was um, this was uh, the part of the interview. We, we were having this conversation, and I didn't record the first part of the conversation where we were talking about the church planting uh, that he did in New England. When the conversation turned uh, to how Nine Marks got founded and sort of the story beyond that, and pr- particularly how... Um, how the passion to uh, revitalize churches came about in Mark's life and um, and in um, in the Nine Marks Capitol Hill sort of world. This this conversation is is what you're going to hear. Um, and he, you know, like always, every time he opens his mouth, he says something profound and brilliant. He's very very helpful um, uh, guy. And so you're going to hear some of that as we talk uh, here today. But one of the things I think that is interesting, I've heard Mark say many times, he doesn't actually say it, I, I think, in this conversation, but um, he talks about how when we revitalize a church, we take a church out of society that's lying about Jesus and we put one in that is telling the truth about Jesus. And when we plant a church, we just put one in. So he, he talks about church revitalization as a double good because um, because we're both able to take out a bad witness and put in a good witness. And um, I just want to say, as a person who's a huge proponent of church planting, that that rationale holds uh, holds water to me. You know, I, I agree with that. I think the thing... Um, that I would contend, though, is that the work of revitalization is a laborsome work. It's much more challenging and difficult than church planting. In fact, if you want to read more on that, uh, Mike McKinley's excellent book, Church Planting is for Wimps, is about that. It's sort of a tongue-in-cheek uh, title you know, about the idea that, that church planting is uh, the easy path and that revitalization is the tough and long path. And that's true in so many ways. Um, but uh, as a person who feels an urgency to get the gospel out and wants to uh, spend my life the best way I can, um, you know, church planting was my, my chosen method. But there are uh, others of you who want to go and labor for many years to persuade uh, people to change their opinions and think differently about the church and the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, for me, I'd rather go into a place that doesn't have a church and, and get one started. But. Yep. I think there's totally valid on both sides. Both both are really important. Yeah, that's really good. I actually didn't even really know much about the revitalization world until I got into church planting. So I appreciate you making that distinction. Yeah. And Mark has done so much for us as church planters in giving us through the Nine Marks community just great material, these templates for that can translate well into so many different church settings. So awesome. Yeah. Really good. And really, the fundamental task is the same in church planting and church revitalization. Uh, you're, you're, in essence, restructuring, you know, and bringing a church up. Um, you know, I think Mark's effort uh, and the, the effort of Nine Marks is very much to retain the witness of a local church and a place. And, I, you know, I feel like in most of our societies, our church is, is not got a bad witness. Churches don't have bad witnesses. They just aren't known. They're not acknowledged by our society in any way. So so I just think putting putting a gospel preaching church out there, the one that's, uh, you know, working actively to reach people uh, with the gospel is is a great, great thing to do. So. Excellent. Well, let's hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll jump right into this episode. Not every American Christian is on the same page about the need for new churches, so we've created a material to help pastors and church leaders 
talk to their congregations about church planting in a way that's compelling and convicting. We've created a resource called the Church Planting Primer, and the Church Planting Primer can be used as a small group curriculum or it can be used for um, your congregation as a whole, maybe on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, or it can be used in other smaller settings, uh, Sunday school classes, or, or even for your leadership team or your missions committee to go through. The Church Planting Primer is four sessions. It starts with the biblical rationale for church planting, it moves on to the need for new churches in North America, and then after that, we talk about how churches begin, what are the nuts and bolts of how churches begin the New Testament and how they begin today. And the last session is about how everyday Christians can be involved in starting new churches. This material is absolutely free. It's video-based, downloadable online for your use. And you can find it all at newcityplanting.org. Mark Dever, thanks for joining me for the podcast. Hey, would you mind um, just starting our conversation by explaining how nine marks got started there was a paragraphs in the pastor or something yeah and so matt said why don't you just turn this into a series of nine uh in the messenger yeah and that way you've kind of got the germ of each one i said yeah okay i'll do that wow. so i did that and then matt it's all matt uh i'm pretty passive in all this and then matt schmucker says well why don't we pull this together into a booklet these articles and let's publish it and get it to seminary students yeah. And that starts the Center for Church Reform. Well, yeah. no, we Founders Press did it at first, but then Paige Patterson said, he was president of Southeast at the time, I'm not going to let this on campus if yeah. it has founders on it. <laughs> he said, but Mark, I really like the book. Yeah. I disagree with you on elders, but I like the book. Other yeah. than that, it's the best thing I've read on the church. Yeah. And I said, well, I said, why don't you put a letter of endorsement saying you disagree with me on elders? Mm -hmm. You don't mind that being in the letter? No, no, I like it. Yeah, please, just yeah. say it. And I'll just call Tom Askell and we'll get that founders thing taken off. Because, you know, I don't think he'll care. Yeah. Well, I called Tom. He did care. He didn't want that taken off. <laughs> but he was real happy to just give it back to me. So we published it ourselves. We had to come up with a name. And so we came up with the Center for Church Reform. Yeah. Well, that's true. So here's, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. here's the Founders Press, the original edition uh, of a little booklet. Yeah. And then because we couldn't do that, they wouldn't let us, we came up with this, Center for Church Reform. Yeah. And, you know, I, was, I think I was thinking about this on the drive here, and I never really thought of this about you, but d do you... Did you set out to be a reformer? No, I think I set out to, I mean, of an individual church, yeah. I mean, I certainly yeah. set out to try to be a good pastor for this church. But for all I knew, the Lord was just going to close this place down, redistribute the assets, and I'll go teach at some seminary. Yeah. So I, you know. You but, you didn't have any ambition to help reform churches in a, the American church? Well, no. Once, once I locked in on, understood the Lord was calling me to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I did think, I didn't think of a mechanism to do it, but I did very much think mm -hmm. that uh, whether it's here or at a seminary, mm -hmm. I want to give myself to try to work for the basically recovery mm -hmm. of Christian witness in America. Because I think churches have done a lousy job. The, yeah. the consumerism just wrecks the church. Yeah. And the, the evangelists don't understand that. It turns, it turns what should be a, a reflection of God, mm -hmm. it tilts the mirror and becomes a reflection of the world. Right. And yeah, you can get a lot of people there, but they're the wrong people, mm. and they're making the wrong decisions. So you got really good temporary, pretty meaningless numbers, mm. but I don't think the population of heaven grows much. Yeah. So oh, do you do you think the evangelical church in in the U.S. is in the midst of a reform? Uh I think I think the young restless reform thing, as Colin Hansen put it, is real, mm -hmm. and I think it's been going on for a couple of decades. 
and I, th- I, th- I think it's just getting going. I, some of them have talked about how they think it's kind of done. Carl Truman and yeah. Colin has said that. And I think that's ironically because they're just <laughs> focusing on the celebrities. Like, a, yeah, the, you know, something happens to Mark Driscoll or James McDonald or Josh Harris. And, right. Uh, but I just I'm out there. All, the only reason I leave this church is to go speak to pastors meetings. Right. So I see pastors all over the place. Yeah. And all I can tell you is it's not slowing down. Yeah. It's it's increasing. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just here. It's all over the place around the world. So I my impression is not at all that things are slowing down. There so may you, be some of the the well known people. Yeah, yeah. Who were rightly or wrongly associated with this move, but this idea of trying to shape our churches more deliberately uh, distinct from the culture yeah, in a way that's faithful to Scripture is continuing, I think. So you're not exactly ready to say we're in the midst of a Reformation, but you... Uh, think... I think you could say that maybe looking backwards. I don't know if you could say it when yeah. you're in the middle of it. Yeah. I think we could be. I don't know. I pray yeah. that we are. Yeah. That's great. So you planted a church. You passed it off to, to Zane Pratt. Yeah. Um, and why, why didn't you stay? You know, at the time, I, I didn't think I was called a pastoral ministry. Hmm. I mean, let's be honest. If I weren't in the room and you were talking honestly to somebody else about me, yeah, you would probably say some good things about me. But if they ask you, do you think Mark really should be a pastor? You'd probably, not really. I mean, you know, you know, come on, I, I, I actually, I probably wouldn't say that only because I've seen you be a pastor. But well, I think the, you know the, what I'm kind of referring the to. youthful version of you, I can imagine having never seen you be a pastor thinking it might not be a good idea. Well, and I, I'm by nature sarcastic. Yeah. And I speak quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think I'm a better professor. So I think it's a little weird that I'm a pastor. Yeah. Um, but here I am. The Lord used it. Do I'm you th- happy to do it. Do you think the... It's a privilege. I don't want to sound like it's not a privilege. Do you think the hand you've had in ministry outside of this local church over the years has, in a sense, given you an outlet for your gifts in a way that has m- made it easier for you to be a local church pastor? I don't know. I think yeah. uh, very little of my energy goes into stuff outside of here. Okay. Stuff that happens outside of here is almost always reproducing stuff I've done here. Hmm. So it's this is where all my all my energy all goes. Energy goes yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it doesn't. I think that's news to the people who are prim, aren't members of this church who right. benefit from your your work. Right. So yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Well, it, a lot of what I try to do is facilitate other people's work. So you'll notice, you know, like Grace to you is the preaching ministry of John MacArthur. Right. Ligonier, R.C. Sproul. Though they're trying to diversify that somehow mm-hmm. with R.C.'s homegoing. Uh, Desiring God, John Piper. We decided early on with nine marks, we did not want it to be the teaching ministry of Mark Dever. Yeah. So I published books like that book on Richard Sibbs. Yeah. Well, that has nothing to do with nine marks. It's not publicized by nine marks. There's no nine marks logo on it. Right. On the other hand, we published a lot of books by other authors. Yeah. You know, uh, because we wanted there to be other voices. We wanted these ideas to be central, not me. Yeah. And I think that's worked pretty well. Yeah, it has. And you've been intentional about that, though. Oh, yeah. That's, very, that from the very, from almost the very beginning. Yeah. And so now, interacting with church planters, and you're spending a lot of time helping, encouraging yeah, church yeah. planters, or yeah. even just right around you and nationally. Yeah, we, tr- we from our own church, we try to, as regularly as we can, be active in trying to see new churches get started. Yeah. And what ways has your experience in, in New England, in church planting, informed, shaped your ministry as a whole, or maybe yeah, it probably just gives me empathy with how financially difficult it can be, yeah. childcare difficult it can be. Uh, you know, finding a place difficult it can be. I mean, just a, a lot of things church planners go through is like, yeah. I understand, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, because you, it, it makes me very desirous of pastors of established churches if those congregations are dying, yeah. please don't sell your building to yeah. some developer, right? development dude. 
I mean, give your building to a gospel yeah. preaching church plant. Yeah. Wow. Because you um, you you spent that time in New England, have you seen have you seen your heart be more sensitive to church planting work around you, or more open to church planting work around you than if you had not done that? You think? I don't know. Probably. I do. I do know. I have a special concern for New England. Yeah. We do everything. We, when I get requests from New England, we we do everything we can to try to meet them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, uh, anything you would say about kind of what you see going on in Southern Baptist church planting or modern church planting as a whole right now in North American evangelical church planting that you would give as an encouragement or a warning? Yeah. I think on the whole, I'm encouraged that through, I think, a variety of different circumstances, about 20 years ago, church planting became popular. Yeah. Um, I think some of those were good, some of those were bad, some of those were tied into youthful uh, assertiveness. Um, but I'm thankful... Uh, that it's it's been emphasized. I think a, a mistake is made when people don't realize that Baptist churches have actually always been planting churches. Right. Um, so our church that I'm pastoring uh -huh. here, uh, Greenbelt Baptist Church, was one of our church plants back in the 1950s. Right. You know that we've kind of worked to help get <laughs> regoing. I mean, yeah. So um, a number of churches around D.C. came yeah. out of this church. This yeah. church itself is the result of uh, planting by other mm -hmm. churches here in town in the 1870s. Right. So Baptist churches have always, it's nothing new for mm -hmm. us. So it may be given some new vogue with new names, missional and things right. like that. But it's it's the stuff we've always been doing. Right. And, and particularly when you're congregational, you're going to be sensitive to the life of the congregation. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be things that make you think we need we need a church in a different area, closer to where people live. Yeah. So they can be more integrated into it. And, and you're going to naturally come up with more and more churches yeah. in an area. Over the time that I've known you, maybe 15 years, you've uh, led this church to, to plant and or revitalize several churches in the region. Yeah. Uh, what have you What have you learned about trying to do that from the sending church pastor's seat that you would tell another pastor? By God's grace, I think we've been confirmed in a lot of our instincts. I think uh, be as generous as you can be sending church pastor, mm -hmm. rather than the number of people you send. I think like with Mike McKinley, when he, when he went out to mm -hmm. what was then Guilford, we sent very little. Yeah. Now, it was very far away from here, which right. was kind of hard for us to. It was out near Dulles Airport. Um, we just didn't have many people out there. Um, but I think that was, I think Mike had a harder road to hoe than, say, Garrett Kell did. Yeah. Delray, which is so close. Or John Joseph has at Chevron, right. which again is so close. I mean, there we were able to send literally scores of people, yeah. multiple elders. Yeah. And I think it's just a function of how close it is to where our congregation mm -hmm. is. The, um, the further out it is, like with James Choi starting in Montgomery County, well, we don't, we don't have a lot of people coming from Montgomery County. Yeah. So there's not a lot of help we can do. We can try to be helpful financially. Yeah. We can certainly be prayerful, encouraging. And we can, you know, so I, I gave a couple of my sermon spots. I was going to be preaching here in the semester coming up. To James, yeah. so that our congregation will hear him preach, and maybe some people will think, "Hey, I'm going to relocate my life up there. Yeah, maybe I'll move up there. Yeah, to help be supportive of this work. Yeah, well, the, you sort of mentioned those two types of church planning. Uh, you know, sending a lot, being able to send a lot of people, yeah. uh, and maybe just a few. Is one better than the other? I'll take a lot every time I can get it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the few is is strategically useful when you're going to a revitalization situation. And it's small, and they're defensive. Yeah, you do not, not want to, want to overwhelm them. So, you, so there have been two or three of those situations where we've had to be exceedingly careful yeah. about how many people go, and even those people we have to like school on do not talk to each other at church, yeah. 
get to know the people who have already been there for decades, love them, serve them, so that there won't be a division of them and yeah. us. I, if I remember right, I think I've heard you talk about sending people in waves. Uh, is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Well, the, there are different times when different kinds of people are able to, to shift. So yeah. when something's 10 people that's there already, it's been there for 100 years, mm-hmm. and it's not doing well, you don't want to send 30 people. Right. I and mean, that's just, you can, but I mean, that, that's, that's going to be rough. Yeah. I mean, if they want your help and they're willing to work with you, yeah, send them two or three or four or yeah. five. But the kind of people you send them then are going to have to be pretty hardy spiritually. I mean, they're, they're going to be some unusual types. Right. By the time that is like kind of won over and now they're moving in a good direction, maybe mm-hmm. they've made some structural changes they need to make, they're kind of sailing in a good direction, well, then you can have more go. Yeah. But even then, out of out of love and appreciation for the saints who were there at that church beginning, you might not want to just flood them. Yeah. You might want to give time for new people to come to their church, mm-hmm. not from the sending church. Yeah. Because hopefully people from the community will get saved and people from other places will come. And, and, and uh, so as it gets larger, other people in your church who may have lived near there but didn't really feel they wanted to get involved yeah. in the church plant with 30 people in it or 80 people. Well, when it's 212 people, yeah, I, I can I can see... Yeah, Pat and I will go now. Right. You know, and so more and more can see a buy-in. And and sure, as that happens, you'll start having some people who went over when there was five or ten. Yeah. Who are kind of frontier types. You start feeling like, uh, I need to be doing something else now. Right, right. And that's fine. The Lord is sovereign and all that. It's all all good purposes. Yeah. Well, uh, in our region, we've seen kind of a lot of church planning. It feels like a lot of church planning over the last um, few years. Waterfront. Yeah, right here, right here in the city and in the suburbs too. Um, Mm -hmm. We just had a a church plant this year um, start with uh, around 500, just like, you know, uh, out in Falls Church. Um, What church was that? It's called City Light. It was one of the staff members at McLean Bible that went out and planted. um, Oh, was it the McLean site from there? No, no. It was a a staff member that went out and planted a church. Who's that? Uh, um, his name is Nate Crew. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Almost 500 at their launch and, and settled around 400, which is Sounds even incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just things we haven't seen at all before. Yeah. So more churches getting And are planted. those 400 all coming from McLean? Uh, not all of them, but, you a know, of course, of a lot of them. Yeah. And then, and then them. And I assume David is supportive of that. Yeah, yeah. Gets yeah. up and says, go yeah. with this brother right. to plant a church. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, multi-site churches peeling off sites of their churches yeah. to become independent autonomous churches all of those things are things that i i couldn't have conceived of 10 years ago and um so i'm very encouraged by that and um and you've been a big part of that i can't go you know very far without interacting with somebody who has been influenced by you mm-hmm. or and so i appreciate all the investment that you've made in that Brother, regard. It's a joy to see what the lord's doing Most pastors and church leaders I know have an aspiration to write. They've got an idea for a book rolling around the back of their mind somewhere, something that's kind of been percolating for a long time that they don't quite know what to do with. Well, if that's you and you have an aspiration to write, I want you to know my friend Brad Bird. Brad runs an organization called Wadestone, and they're dedicated to this process of helping aspiring authors get ready to publish. So contact my friend Brad Bird over at Wadestone, and if you're a church planning podcast listener, he's doing this really generous thing, and he's offering 25% off of the first coaching session just for mentioning that you listen to the church planning podcast. So reach out to Brad at his website, wadestoneinc.com, and tell him you listen to the podcast and ask him to help you get ready to write. Thank you. 
for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Pastor Mark Dever. Josh Taransky produced today's show. Zuki Bastian was our showrunner, and her husband Nick was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. Hey, if you'd like more information about the show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so check us out there on the social. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast. Oh.